Hello, everybody, and uh, great to be here again after uh, the full moon. I hope you guys had a, a great full moon if you're celebrating Sukkot. So I hope you had an amazing Sukkot if you're just celebrating full moons in general. I hope you had uh, a great completion or some kind of uh, resolution. And it is important because we are entering eclipse seasons. So we had a little bit of a quiet time. Now the shadow of Mercury is officially over. So um, we're out of the shadows for now. And now what we're, uh, we're heading towards is a period of quickening of events. So that's going to be throughout October. Then November, we have a little bit more of a quiet. And then towards the beginning of December, we're entering the pre-retrograde uh, shadow of Mercury from middle of December until January 3rd. We're going to have Mercury retrograde and stationary. So yes, next year, 2024, is starting with a retrograde and it's going to be ending with a retrograde. So 2024 is like 2023 sandwiched between retrograde. So we're going to have the Mercury retrograde starting the year and the Mars retrograde ending 2024. And I think it's a good time to um, announce, I think some of you guys got the email already that the 2024 book, the Astrology of 2024, uh, which I call the Once and Future uh, Year. And that the reason why is because we're going to have Pluto, the planet of power, actually moving back and forth as it is did uh, as it did this year between Pluto uh, between Capricorn which represents the past and tradition where Pluto has been since 2008 uh, into Aquarius which is going to be until 2044 which has to do with the future and that's why 2024 like 2023 but even more is some kind of a struggle a, a struggle between the forces of the past, tradition, conservative energy, older people, uh, people that respect what was done in the past, and people who want to break away the past, destroy what has been in the uh, in the in the previous um, generations, and move towards a revolutionary new future, uh, which has to do with Aquarius. So definitely, when there is a transition. Uh, between archetypes, especially for Pluto, there is a lot of revolution. So we can expect financial issues. Uh, we can expect uh, a great deal of turmoil, a lot of ups and downs. And that's why the book of 2024 is all about a guide, a, a certain kind. Of, I wrote it in a way that it's like a manual, like a pilot's manual, uh, which will help you steer or navigate or fly from the past to the future. And the book is basically... Like always, three parts. The first part tells you day by day, month by month, uh, dates that are very significant and auspicious. Then we have the second part, which is going to be about the trends. I'm going to talk a lot about, or I did talk a lot about, AI and the whole idea of Saturn in Pisces, Pluto moving into Aquarius, the North Node in Aries, uh, all of that, and the the fact that we have next year from February 10, the year of the dragon. So not only we have the dragon in the Western astrology going through spitty, air, fire spitting Aries, we're also having the wood dragon. So think about it. We have the fire coming from Aries, and then we have a dragon, which is a young, young means masculine, and it's wood, which is very compostable. So we definitely have a very interesting year. The Saturn in Pisces is continuing. And remember, we talked here quite a lot about how 
Saturn in Pisces can create a lot of floods. So obviously uh, the people who are listening now from New York know very well uh, what it means. Uh, the city, I think, is designed to uh, absorb 45 uh, inches, but 50 it rained in one day, so it was kind of intense. And these kind of things are going to happen again and again, from the heat of the summer that we had in New York all the way to the um, deluge now in um, with rain. So definitely anybody who's still denying this uh, idea that we have managed to change a little bit, I have to say a little bit, the climate on the planet is really either has a severe case of dissonance or is a liar or is a fool. So... You know, unfortunately, there are some politicians here in the United States, plenty of them. There's a whole party that believes in um, or doesn't believe that there is any kind of problem uh, with the climate. And if there is, it's just cyclical and normal. Um, in Israel, of course, it's um, even worse, the situation. In Europe, it depends where you're looking at. Some people talk about it, but not a lot of people are doing anything about it. So I think the Lord Karma is coming closer and closer to manifest himself especially around the climate and you know how people always uh, used to talk about the climate and it was a superficial thing oh we did nothing to talk about so we talked about the, the weather uh, let's talk about the weather yeah nowadays talking about the weather is very profound it actually is almost philosophical political everything so the weather became something that um, is um, very profound from being very superficial in the past. That's part of global warming as well. The idea that talking about the weather became now a real subject before it was not a real subject. So anyway, the book on 2024 is ready for pre-order. It's going to be officially for hard copies and uh, soft copies. It's going to be available from October 13, which is one day before the eclipses, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. And also for that, you guys are all invited. I put uh, the link in the... A live Instagram. If you go to my Instagram uh, bio, you'll be able to click on the link for to join the class, uh, or it's kind of a presentation workshop. And if you are on Zoom, you're gonna get the link. It's on my website as well. It's a free class on the 13th of August at uh, October at 6 p.m. in Los Angeles time. There's gonna be a recording. I'm gonna present the book before you, and hopefully, some of you guys have pre-ordered it, and some of you will order it. So like I said, from October 13, we're going to have the actual physical book, hard copy and soft copy. And already you can pre-order the ebook, and it's going to be available October 13, one day before the eclipse, the solar eclipse, one day before the new moon. And it's going to be a new moon in Libra book. So again, the book is called The Astrology of 2024, A Cosmic Navigator Guide to or yeah, to or two, or uh, I don't remember what I wrote, uh, to the once in future year. So that's going to be on October, on October 13, October 28, which is another eclipse, uh, this last eclipse, which we're going to cover today as well. We're going to have the past lifetime regression. So it's also going to be a webinar. It's also going to be recorded. It's also going to be at 6 p.m. So I'm going to talk at that uh, meeting about the eclipse and what we can do for the eclipse. And we're going to have the meditation the um, regression specifically for the eclipse. So it's going to be a little bit uh, different than what I usually do in the uh, past lifetime regression. We're going to kind of use the energies of the moon uh, to gravitate you or to pull you into a previous life. So that's going to be on October 28th. 
So again, if anybody of you guys know um, in what way or if you know any publishers that might be interested in different cultures, I think we're going to have it in uh, Turkish, in Bulgarian, Hungarian most likely, maybe in Chinese, now Mandarin that we're talking about it. But anyway, if you know any other places, definitely let me know. And please, if you pre-order and later on get it, and if you can put a nice review on Amazon, that always is the most important thing. That's the best kind of uh, help the book can have. And of course, if you want to order it for your uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, Yule, Yule holiday uh, gifts, that would be great. And also, uh, by the way, if you know anybody who does gift bags, because I thought this book would actually be a really good uh, gift bag um, addition. So if anybody knows any companies that are doing it for the holidays or for uh, uh, New Year's or for any events, let me know. So again, it's available. Uh, um, the, the link is on the uh, chat. And of course, on Amazon, on um, Instagram, you're going to have it also in the first link, I think, on my uh, bio. So you can just go there and pre-order the book. So let's look at what's happening this week, first of all. And yeah, so what we have this week... We're starting today, uh, an interesting day. Today is October 1st, uh, the first day of October, obviously. And um, we have the perfect conjunction of the Sun and Minerva. As you can see on the chart, if you're watching uh, the Zoom version, you see that the Sun is 8 degrees uh, Libra, Minerva is 8 degrees Libra. And by the way, 2024 is going to be uh, an 8 year. And that is very, very powerful. It's the number of infinity. So we're definitely going to cover that also in the book, the numerology of next year. So there's a few things that are happening this week which are very, very significant. First of all, we have a lot of conjunction. The conjunction basically means what planets or astrological phenomena or, or, or let's say cele <coughs> celestial bodies are in conjunction, meaning that they're stacking one on top of each other. When two planets or two heavenly bodies are occupying the same degree or the same two, three degrees, it's connected, it's, connected, it con it's considered to be conjunction, which basically means that each one of these planets or heavenly bodies lose a little bit of their identity in order to create a new one. You know, it's very much like how we started life here on Earth when certain um, single cells decided that they should join together, lose a little bit of their independence and freedom of choice in order to become an organism, in order to grow, in order to be able to be better. That's very Aquarian individuals coming together to create a group, whether the group is uh, atoms into a molecule, molecule into an organ, organ into a body, a body into a planet, a planet into existence. So the whole idea is that conjunction represent oneness. It represents the return back to the one in a sense. So anytime you have a conjunction in your chart or conjunction that's happening right now, for example, now the sun is on top of Minerva, the goddess of wisdom. So today is a day of wisdom. You finally, you're going to find yourself saying really intelligent thing. Hopefully it will affect me as well. Um, you're going to be able to become or to channel Athena, the goddess of uh, just war. So what today is going to be blessed is any kind of advice, wisdom, campaign that has to do with the goddess of wisdom. So read a little bit about Athena. Connect to Minerva. For example, the owl is a, is a symbol of wisdom because of its ability to turn 
the head 360 degrees. It's almost as if the ability to perceive things from all directions. Also, uh, Minerva is associated with the owl because the owl spread his wings at night or in the evening. It's a, it's a nocturnal creature, meaning that after, the pa- after everything that passed during the day, now wisdom spreads her wings and flies. So it's the ability to understand things once the process has been completed. Uh, so that's part of the idea of the owl uh, being um, connected to wisdom and also because it's a bird of prey and it comes from above and goes down to grab the things from the earth. It is a symbol of the intellect being able to uh, come down to the earth and feed itself from practical or, or applicable things. So it's the ability to have this bird eye view or this angel or God eye view. So today is a day of wisdom. Today is a day of celebration of the goddess of wisdom. This happens once a year. It, of course, changes a little bit because Minerva goes around the, sun, the, um, uh, the solar system. So it depends where she is and where the sun is conjuncting her. But today we can say is the birthday of Minerva because the sun is back on top of Minerva. So again, this is literally happening right now uh, today. So again, your IQ is a little bit higher you're going to hear wisdom in other people. You're going to be much more wise. And this is a great time to brainstorm with yourself. So what I would recommend, because we're talking about the sun in Libra. Libra is an air sign. It's a cardinal air sign. So spend out outside, do some cardio, and if it's hiking or walking by green places, because Libra is very much about green, and connect to uh, talking to yourself, as Nietzsche used to talk about, or he used to write about how he walks. I mean, he was kind of crazy. He walked five, six, seven, eight hours a day. Obviously, we can't, most of us can't do it today. But if you can walk in order to communicate with yourself, uh, that would be great today. The other conjunction which we're having, uh, which is um, also interesting, is this week, Mars and the South Node are going to come together. That happens, um, it's really rare, it usually happens once every year and a half, two years depending, but the idea is that Mars, which represents the god of war, remember Minerva, the goddess of just war, when I'm saying just war, it's not like just war and not war and this and this and that, so I'm not saying just as in the only, I'm saying just as in justice, so Minerva always represents confrontation or conflicts that we have to engage in in order to save somebody, in order to fight for peace, in order to maintain the rights of other people. So the goddess of just war is Minerva. The god of any war is Mars because Mars represents the god of war and that's it. There is no limitation on that war. It could be a just war. It could be an unjust war. It could be a silly war. It could be um, a, a very important war uh, or campaign it doesn't really matter for mars but the thing is that mars is right now in exile remember mars is the ruler of aries the god of war now he's in libra the opposite sign and libra of course is all about peace Uh, mars is not very interested in peace unless he can fight for peace that's perfect for me but as long as i have some good fight and some blood so mars is now in libra he's trying to fight for um uh, for peace Uh, I think it actually really helps with negotiations, by the way, Uh, what happened with the writers, hopefully with the um, actors. Uh, Also, I think it helped in the uh, 
uh, Congress in the United States or in the government in the United States not to shut it down, even though uh, some um, they put uh, basically Ukraine under the bus. That's a different story. But again, that's the Mars in Libra. Mars in Libra is very good for justice, for law, for um, compromises. Hopefully it will help the uh, auto, uh, auto unions as well. And with their strike, uh, I know that there's another strike looming. There's going to be a lot of strikes uh, coming up, especially in the next year and a half. Again, because of that Pluto moving into Aquarius. Remember, Aquarius is all about the people, communities, groups. And people are going to start kind of uh, getting a little bit pissed off that maybe the CEO are making 400 or 500 times what the actual worker is doing. So... Yes, Pluto power moving into Aquarius. It's going to start from September next year. And, sorry, from January next year until September. Then from September until the end of November, it's going to be back in Capricorn. And then in the end of November next year, it's going to move for into Aquarius for 20 years. So definitely a lot of rebellion, a lot of strikes, a lot of uh, changes around how power is distributed. That's happening next year. But anyway, Mars is in Libra. Minerva is in Libra, the Sun is in Libra, the South Node is in Libra. So they're all coming together. When the South Node basically represents what our job is to get rid of or what we're supposed to let go of. So funny enough, Mars moving this week on top of the South Node means, hey, we should all let go of fighting, let go of war, let go of aggression, unlearn things that have to do with acting out because Mars is really acting out. So when Mars is on top of the South Node, South Node always represents the eraser, the deleter, right? The, the North Node represents additions or what we are supposed to learn. So when a planet is conjunct, coming together, practicing the idea of oneness with letting go, Mars has to offer something to let go of. So maybe some aggression, maybe uh, some... Um, in general, a discord, anything that Mars represents, it's going to be kind of like the volume is going to be uh, not a down a little bit. So that's going to be in the next few days. I think it's going to cover the whole week. So we have the sun on top of the uh, war, the lady of just war. So just wars are blessed right now. I mean, wars that are meant to be fight, to be fought so that people can be better off after. Mars, which is usually nasty wars, is being told to be a little bit more reduced or to let go of some of his passion, right? This also can, by the way, cause a little bit less passion this week. So if you're not feeling as passionate sexually, especially towards the end of the year, the week, it is normal. Don't take it personally. Don't start stuffing yourself with Viagra or, you know, Maca, whatever it is that you're using. Because in general, the energy of testosterone is going to go a little bit down, which is always a, a good thing. Remember, we talked about it here, how we moved from or we evolved from Homo erectus to Homo sapiens because part of the theory is that men started losing their testosterone for some reason, which made them much nicer, much more able to collaborate with other people and better dads. Remember, there is a lot of research that shows negative correlation between the level of testosterone and how good you are as a father. Meaning that if you are a less, if you have less testosterone, you might not be as sexy to some people, but you're not going to cheat as much and you're going to be a great dad. So that's what's happening to us this week. We are collectively losing some testosterone, which is not a bad thing. I think we have enough. The other thing that's happening this week 
is a little bit more disturbing is Venus conjuncting for the last time, at least this year, with this, with uh, the black moon. Now, it did happen the end of June, beginning of July. So you can go back to the end of June, beginning of July, see what was going on around that time. That's when Venus was touched by the, by the black moon for the first time this year. Then remember, Venus was retrograding. Therefore, she touched her again. We talked about it here, August 7, 8, 9, 10, very intense period. Again, the black moon was on top of Venus. And this week, we're going to have the last time that the two are coming together. A lot of time it talks about jealousy, issues with relationship from the past, discord, problems with finance, problem with mood, problem with um, design and colors and finance. And it's not the easiest thing when the Ven when Venus is on top of the black moon. It just brings the, the worst in your partners, the worst in yourself. It's not an easy uh, aspect. And again, because we have the sun being in Libra and we have Venus being in Leo, we have what is called a mutual reception. It's one of the most beautiful things, I think, in astrology. It basically means that Venus, the ruler of Libra, is in Leo and the sun, the ruler of Leo, is in Libra. They switched places and therefore they have a very strong link, a very strong connection. So the v Venus being on top of the black moon definitely is going to hinder the sun and hinder Mars as well. So this week is extremely, extremely busy. Now, today, the moon is in Taurus, which is the moon of success. So today, Venus is very, very happy. Moon is ruled by Venus. The sun is ruled by Venus. Both of them are in um, signs that are connected to Venus. And because the moon is exalted and the sun is getting this big help from Minerva, this is actually an interesting day of success. Today, tomorrow, you can actually achieve quite a lot. Uh, there's a lot of movement, especially tomorrow is going to be very uh, positive because we're going to have, as you can see the moon moving on top of Jupiter. So, so tomorrow we have a day with a lot of success, recognition, positive energy, especially around technology, innovation. Uh, and tomorrow we have a beautiful trine. So if a baby is born tomorrow, oh my God, they're kind of blessed. They're going to be very wise because Minerva is on top of the sun. Yeah, their testosterone level is going to be a little bit low, but they're going to be very in ingenious and there's going to be their sacred mountain in their chart. So not that I'm saying that you should conceive and give birth immediately, but I'm saying tomorrow if you're giving birth to any project, any new idea, new meeting, anything will be actually blessed. Again, especially if it relates to justice, law, beauty, design, colors, art. Um, anything to do with finance, anything to do also with uh, uh, reconnecting to other people's money, other people's talents. It's a really interesting day tomorrow because even though um, we have Venus opposite to Saturn, which we talked about it, it's closing in, meaning that the uh, opposition is going to get stronger and stronger as we proceed this week. So it could be a little bit more tension on relationship, especially the end of the week. But regardless of that, we have a beautiful trine of Mercury being in Virgo, all about service, uh, paying attention to small details, making things happen. And look how it works. We talked about how we talked here a lot. I mean, I get a lot of uh, uh, emails and, and calls that they told me, oh, you, we talked about how the um, rider strike will be done when Mercury goes direct in Mercury. And it did happen. Yes, because Mercury in Virgo is exalted. It's getting the best energy possible. And Mercury now in general, in the last week and a half, two weeks, is getting even more energy from Uranus, from Jupiter. Both of them are in Taurus right now, from Pluto, which is in Capricorn right now. So there's definitely a lot of ability to to create negotiation or to create um, some kind of a, 
accordance with people. So that helped with the strike with the writers. It helped also negotiate not closing the, uh, uh, not shutting down the government. I hope I told you that it can really help also with uh, negotiation with the auto industry. But the idea is that right now in your personal life even, this is a time of negotiation. This is a time of connecting to small details, especially in the next week when we have this Mercury exalted in Virgo, the Moon uh, sorry, Uranus and Jupiter in Taurus, Pluto in Capricorn. We're talking about 40% of the chart in all of that in Earth and very well aligned. So again, very, very positive. You know, we always talk here about negative things that happen. We should also talk about things that are good that is happening. So definitely tomorrow, Tuesday, you can get things done. Uh, tomorrow, you're going to have also an instinct about the future. So I'm not talking about being paranoid about the future or pessimistic about the future, but I'm talking about l real trends or understanding where things are going or having this gut feeling about where I should invest or what I should do. Uh, because again, because we're talking about so much planets in Earth sign, it's not going to be so impulsive and impetuous. It's going to be more calculative and strategic, especially when the sun is on top of Minerva today and tomorrow, which is the uh, she's connected to strategy, to understanding how we should work and how we should do things to accomplish uh, what we want. So again, very good day today and tomorrow to cement things, literally cement to Earth, to make Earth, you know, to kind of ground the moon being in Taurus tomorrow is definitely, again, talking about success. The moon in Tuesday is moving into Gemini. So we're going to have Tuesday and Wednesday, a very good for writing, marketing, sales, communication, networking, especially because, remember, we talked about this emphasis we have in Libra, Minerva in Libra, Sun in Libra, Mars in Libra. It's air signs. And the moon is going to be now in air Tuesday, Wednesday. It's going to support the sun. So there's going to be some feeling of satisfaction. There's going to be a lot of connection to wise feminine energy because the moon feminine is going to be in uh, sending a beautiful energy to Minerva and to the sun. So again, there is a lot of logic and the logic is more, let's say, connected to emotions or connected to families or connected to uh, feeling security and safe. So it's a great time to actually focus in business. And especially because we still have that positive influence from the earth signs, it can make things happen. So even if you have ideas about businesses or um, having some kind of insight into what you could do in the future, it's a great time Tuesday to kind of put it in the ground and put things uh, into action. On um, October 4, we have the moon still in Gemini, sending a beautiful energy to Mars. Action and emotions are very linked on Wednesday. So there's, it's a very good day to be active, but also very emotional. And what's happening on that day is something interesting. We have min uh, the... Um, Black Moon moving into Virgo. She was in Leo for nine months. Now she's going to move into Virgo for nine months. The Black Moon, you know, it always represents the dark side, being misunderstood, uh, the mother of demons, jealousy, possessiveness. It's not a very easy archetype, obviously. It's the opposite of the Moon. So if the Moon is very nurturing and mothering, uh, the Black Moon is somebody who uh, doesn't want to nurture you, want to take away from you. So it's it's not the easiest energy. When she's in Virgo, it means that most of your uh, the negativity projected to you and from you is about criticism, bad mouthing, uh, to be very careful with how you if you gossip. Uh, anything to do also with um, diet can be a little bit of an issue. So suddenly 
your diet might be more in the spotlights. Again, because the black moon for nine months is going to be in Virgo, which is all about your diet. There could be some slandering or some problems with employees. Pay extra attention to your to your um, let's say um, accountant or anybody who helps you because it's almost as if the butler did it, you know, in the uh, horror movie or Agatha Christie's uh, uh, books. So we now are moving to definitely the butler did it. If not the butler, it's the lady of the house or the lady of the keys. Uh, Dama de Llaves, uh, they call it uh, in Spanish or how is it called in English? You know, the, um, the lady that is in charge of all the... Um, um, all the servants in the houses, you know, in the 19th century or before. So the idea is that Mary Poppins is getting dark. So it's, again, you can get into trouble by the way you criticize, by the way you communicate, by the way you eat, by the way you deal with your employees or co-workers, by the way co-workers work with you. Uh, it could also attack you as a, as a disease because, again, Virgo is all about... Uh, Small little things, including germs and viruses that carry information. So again, we're getting into flu season, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. Be extra careful. Uh, we're literally talking about nine months where little things like bugs or like bacterias or like viruses could be extremely more, more let's say, prominent in the next nine months because the black moon inflict pain on us through the filter of Virgo, which is, again, work, health, diet, routine, and service. Mercury is still in Virgo, really helping us, especially with the trine to Pluto and with the trine to Uranus. That's happening still in Wednesday. But uh, what's going to happen in, um, uh, on um, Thursday is that Mercury is moving into Libra. So I really hope that by Thursday, all the negotiation that needs to be done with all the strikers, etc., could be done. Mercury in Libra is not bad because Mercury is still very happy to be in Libra and it moves more into justice, law, fairness. And you know what? Actually, Mercury in Libra could really help connect images with information. So if you need anything done on your website or um, any kind of graphic design, logo creation, beautifying something, connecting intellect and business with beauty, design, justice and fairness... That's going to be your three weeks right now where this could really work well, not only because Mercury is going to be in Libra, but also uh, Minerva, the goddess of justice and strategy and the sun and as well as Mercury and as Mars. So we have 30 percent of our charts shifting into Libra from Thursday for at least about th a few days. Or I mean, like actually a few days, but more than that, it could be a three weeks if you look at Mercury and yeah, a few weeks also if you look at the sun. So there's definitely a move towards Librahood uh, in, um, on Thursday. The moon is still in Gemini, moving into Cancer. It's going to get a little bit more emotional. And Thursday, Thursday is actually flowing. We still have some nice trine. Again, anything to do with communication, marketing, sales is actually blessed at that day because of Mercury moving into Libra and the moon being in Gemini. But on October 6th, which is a Friday, things are shifting a little bit. The moon is moving into Cancer. And when the moon is in Cancer, she's not having the easiest time with the sun in Libra. So there's going to be a square on Friday. Uh, not the best day for dating necessarily. It also talks about some feeling of lack of satisfaction. So you take your partner to um, a beautiful restaurant, but the waiter is not that good. The food sucks. Um, it's too cold. It's too warm. It's too loud. You know, there's like lack of satisfaction there. So it's a little bit more 
heavy. And because Venus is going to be closer and closer to the black moon, Minerva, eh, black moon, sorry, everything that has to do with uh, negativity or seeing things the worst or being very critical. So I would say that the black moon in Virgo, one thing that it can create is a lot of enemies through over-criticism and over-perfectionism. So be extra careful when you're giving uh, feedback to other people and edit your editing, you can say. So the moon is in cancer, very emotional, very sensitive, but over-emotional and sending a bit a big, bit of a hard energy to the sun. And then on Saturday, she's going to send a hard energy to Mars, which means that there could be some conflict on Saturday, Sunday with family members uh, or women who are bosses, especially. So pay a little bit attention to it. That being said, uh, on Friday, the moon and, the, and Saturn are sending beautiful energy to each other, which is actually not too bad for real estate. Uh, so... It's kind of a mixed bag uh, this Friday. And Saturday, the moon is squaring Mars. So that's a little bit intense. And she's also going to be squaring the North Node and the South Node. So Saturday uh, is a day with a lot of karma. And because Venus is going to be on top of the Black Moon, officially on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday next year, next year, next week, be extra, extra careful with your relationships, with contractual relationship, with anybody that you're basically interacting with, if it's possible at all. So that's on October 7. October 8, the moon is moving into Leo, a completely different vibe. Things are shifting. Yes, Venus is going to be on top of the black moon. So that's going to be the peak Sunday, next Sunday and next Monday with that negativity in relationships, criticism and all that. But also Venus is going to move into Virgo. So Virgo, Venus in Virgo is already fallen, meaning that she's definitely not happy. And on top of everything, she's, stuck in, uh, she's stuffed into this monastery uh, that turned out to be that it's a monastery not of the nuns falling in love with Jesus, but the nuns falling in love with uh, the Lilith, the mother of demons. It's like a special Halloween horror movie when this beautiful woman who uh, got pregnant, I'm just making it up now, it was sent by her uh, evil father into a monastery. And when she goes into this monastery, she discovers that the mother superior is no other than Lilith, the mother of demons, and that they're about to steal her unborn baby. Yeah, that's very much Sunday, Monday, next uh, week. Again, coming close to Halloween, it fits. Uh, we're not even in Scorpio and we're starting to have some horror uh, stories. That's lovely. Anyway, uh, let's see what else uh, did I uh, think about. I think that this week, uh, yeah, we mentioned um, uh, the pre-order. So, the, ah, and if I wanted, if you wanted to see, uh, um, let me make sure that you guys can see. The cover. So this is the cover uh, for next um, year's uh, astrology. And if I can brag, you see here in the monitor, I put uh, the ten, the twelve signs. You see, these are all the signs. And here you see eclipses, Pluto retrograde. You know, so you can fly your spacecraft. Oh my God, what have I done? Uh, to where you need to be. So that's going to be the cover. Again, this year, I'm going to have the hard copy. I always wanted to see how it looks like. And the price, I think, is going to be $22.22 because .22, 22 plus 22 in numerology is 8. Two, 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 two. And next year is, of course, 2024 is um, a year of four. Now, oh, you actually gave me a good idea without talking to me. I think I'm going to reduce the book uh, price from 22 to 20.24. 20 
makes more sense. It's still an eight. It's even better. I was just thinking 22, 22. It's a double 22. It's auspicious. But I think 20, uh, $20.24 will be even better. So I had this thought. Uh, I don't remember what triggered that thought, but then it was supported by an article I read about um, uh, Sam Altman, the uh, CEO of uh, OpenAI, uh, which uh, created ChatGPT. So I thought about it like this because I was listening to, um, a, I think it was some kind of uh, talk about AI and how they were talking there about the issue of AI alignment or the alignment problem. I think we mentioned it here in the book. I talk about it actually. And the alignment problem is how can we ensure that this AI that we're developing, this artificial intelligence, and you know that I'm obsessed about it. Um, even when I was younger, some of my girlfriends used to call me a robot. And instead of being uh, offended, I actually saw it as a, as a compliment. Uh, I think that they came from the point that I'm not sharing my emotions so much uh, or I'm a little bit too operational, but I saw it as a compliment. I'd rather be more like data from the next generation, Star Trek, than to be um, human. But anyway, the idea is that AI is the future. We talked about it a lot here because we're moving into the age of Aquarius. Aquarius is all about aliens, about communities, people, groups, organizations, technology, and artificial intelligence. So it's definitely part of our future, whether we like it or not. And like I told you, I think I talked about it when I came here to United States. So it was 1999, I think, I did that workshop. I won't forget, in Fairfax, uh, there was this pop-up uh, that we did with Guerrilla PR, a friend of mine. And I talked back then in 99 how my feeling is that eventually human souls are going to reincarnate into AI, into technology, into computers, into uh, machines. That was a while ago. That was like 20-something years ago. And it's slowly starting to happen. And now as we're moving into Pluto in Aquarius and we're moving into the age of Aquarius, these kind of things and this awareness is going to go even more. So the AI alignment issue is, or the alignment problem is, how do we ensure or how do we infuse the machines, the artificial intelligence, with a set of values? Because values are things that we developed in society over millions of years, maybe, since the Homo erectus or even the Homo uh, habilis or even before Homo was even introduced. So we're talking about certain values, you know, the Hammurabi laws the, that they were later on uh, instituted in the Bible, you know, in, in the Ten Commandments and so forth. So how do we make these robots understand what is good and what is bad? What is our values in a sense? And also, it's a little bit of a problem because our values here in the United States might be value different values in India and different values in China and definitely different values in Russia. So how can we ensure that our children, our artificial intelligence that are created in our own image are also carrying our values? You know, parents, it's very important for parents to have the same values as their kids and they Keep correcting them. It's not nice that you took uh, uh, the chocolate from the mouth of your little brother. It's not very nice that you pushed your brother. And you slowly teach them. But how do we do it with AI? And then I thought, how interesting it is. Because AI in astrology is ruled by Aquarius. What is the sign that is squaring Aquarius? We talked about it. Square is an aspect or it's a geometrical, uh, you can say, a geometrical um degree that separates different signs. So we have a sign 
they're all arranged, arranged in a circle, right? We have the zodiac uh, circle, and the signs are dividing the circle into 12 slices, you can say, and there is a relationship, a geometrical relationship between those slices. For example, there is one slice that is opposite to the other slice. That's Aries in Libra, or Taurus in Scorpio, or Gemini in Sagittarius, or Cancer in Capricorn, or Leo in Aquarius, or Virgo in Pisces. These are opposition, opposing slices, you can say, and that's a geometrical phenomena. It's 180 degrees away from each other. Squares between signs are considered to be the most difficult. That's why in many languages, square to square off is to fight. Even in Hebrew, it's the same. English, it's the same. Spanish, it's the same. Our Latin languages, I heard it's also the same in different, in different families of language. So square has something of a fight, a war, a, a certain kind of discord. Even in um, Feng Shui, for example, when you're doing your Saging, they always recommend going to the corners because these corners, when the two walls square each other, there is the most amount of dirt and also the most amount of negative energy. So what are the squares in the zodiac? For example, Aquarius is square with Taurus and with Scorpio. Aries, for example, is square with Cancer and Capricorn. Taurus is square, of course, with Aquarius and Leo. Um, Gemini is square with Pisces and with Virgo. Uh, Cancer is square with uh, Aries and Libra. Leo is square with um, Taurus and Scorpio. Virgo is square with Gemini and Pisces. Uh, Gemini and Sagittarius. Libra is square, of course, with Cancer and Capricorn. So every sign has two squares. They like are squaring him. They're fighting him. And when I thought about Aquarius, which is the sign of technology and innovation, and again, when, when, when astrology was developed, nobody suspected that there's going to be something called artificial intelligence that's going to be ruled by Aquarius. But we always know that Aquarius is the water bearer. What is the water bearer? The person who came up with the idea of not having to carry the water on your shoulders, but to build canals and to build water systems. That's the beginning of technology that would allow us uh, to live maybe a little bit further away from the river and not be flooded all the time or drowned or carried away, you know, with it. So the idea is that Aquarius has always been with technology, but of course it took us many, many years and we finally got to technology that has to do with digital technology. So Aquarius is again the sign of technology and innovation. So the two signs that are squaring it will pose a problem to whatever Aquarius represents. So if Aquarius represents artificial intelligence, what is Taurus? Taurus represents values. It represents talents, self-worth. So you can just think about how it is you just add humans to it. So we have humans' values could be squaring technology innovation. I mean, think about it. Right now, uh, California is suing the five big uh, oil producers for uh, knowing for decades that they are destroying the planet and not doing anything about it, and not only not doing anything about it, lying about it. So that's something that definitely is related to values and technology. Here comes this new technology in the 19th century, 1845-46, right when Neptune addiction was um, discovered in the skies. The next thing we know, puck, we're popping up this um, leftover from the dinosaurs. All of, we're basically raiding the tombs of uh, dinosaurs and pulling out their remains, you know, their treasures, which starts to run and, and move forward even further, the Industrial Revolution. So again, we see a situation where we have the values of um, uh, humanity 
uh, colliding with uh, technology. We have a new technology, the coal and burning fossil fuel. That's a great technology, plastic and everything. But we're seeing that it's starting to square with our values. It's even starting to square with economy because I don't have to tell you that global warming or let's say climate change is costing billions and billions and billions of dollars, right? So again, technology, a lot of time, can create a problem or square with economy, with uh, values, and even with our self-worth. Because think about it, uh, one of the biggest things that we have now, psychologists talk about depressions that some younger people have because they're more conscious of what's going on and they have to stay longer on this planet, uh, anxiety because of uh, climate change. And this anxiety is going to go more and more and more. You know how at first a global um, a climate change, basically uh, you connect to it by looking at disturbing videos, right, of people flooding in New York and uh, uh, atmospheric uh, um, rivers here in Los Angeles and hurricanes uh, in uh, other places and you're thinking, oh my God, it's terrible. Until one day you are the one shooting those videos of your own home being flooded, right? So again, Taurus is all about self-worth, values, and it's squaring the AI. So it's squaring Aquarius. It's creating... Square is not necessarily negating. It's causing us to uh, think about it. It's causing us to get into the stretch that we have to uh, open up into something new. It's not comfortable. It's kind of causing you an itch. It's causing you to kind of uh, uh, reassess a situation. So that's what we have between Taurus and Aquarius. And that's one of the biggest issues. Again, the alignment problem. Should we develop artificial intelligence and see, until we're absolutely sure that it shares our values? But again, we talked about it here even. Whose values? The Nazis' values? Uh, the Chinese' values? Putin's values? Uh, Republican values? Democrat values? Uh, what kind of values? So even as long as we argue about what are values of humanity, uh, we're going to have a big issue. The other thing that is squaring Aquarius is uh, Scorpio. And remember, Scorpio, the tarot card of Scorpio is death. Scorpio is all about intimacy. It's all about privacy. It's all about secrecy, right? What is the problem with Aquarius and technology innovation? You know, people are now saying that social media, um, all of those um, uh, networks, uh, social networks and all that created an issue of we, of us losing our privacy. The whole thing with... uh, um, Oxford Analytical, if you remember, with the Facebook, with Metaverse and all that, the fact that we everybody knows everything about us, that's very anti-Scorpio. So Scorpio is up, it's, it's, it's up an arm against Aquarius sharing all the information for free because, again, Scorpio is all about privacy. So the idea of privacy and technology can create a square. Not only that, what they're also talking, those that are afraid of the uh, prospects of artificial intelligence are warning us that the issue is extinction. Extinction is definitely Scorpio. You know, if you're talking about zombies in the Day of the Dead, it's very Scorpio. So what is the challenge from Scorpio to Aquarius? Well, what they tell us is that AI can create extinction, but it's not like it's going to destroy us. It's going to take extinction issues that we already have and make them much worse. So if we have a a problem with um, uh, misinformation and disinformation, 
it's going to get even worse. And that can destroy us. Or we have a problem with people uh, creating nasty viruses that can be biological warfare. Okay, AI can make it worse. So the idea, it's not that AI will start thinking about ways to destroy us. It's more like, oh, there's these ways to destroy humans. Maybe I should help one of those. So again, you see how Scorpio and Taurus are challenging the Aquarian uh, connection to AI. And I've been reading this um, interesting article that compares Sam Altman. Of course, we talked about it, the uh, CEO of uh, OpenAI, the leading artificial intelligence developer that's part of Microsoft. And uh, it's, first, it's really interesting, the, combina- the comparison, because, because Oppenheimer obviously uh, helped develop the atom bomb and later on regretted it and went through a very strong uh, turmoil uh, in later on in his life and was accused of many different things. Uh, And people are comparing Sam Altman and AI with Oppenheimer and the atom bomb. And the interesting thing, they were born on the same day. Maybe he's the reincarnation of them. Both of them were Jewish. Both of them were born in the United States. Both of them born in the same day, the 22nd of April, which is kind of interesting because it's Earth. It's Taurus. Taurus is all about Earth. It's Earth Day, if you think about it. And one of the most interesting um, or famous uh, quotes from Oppenheimer, it's actually from the Bhagavad Gita, and it is twice mentioned in the, in the uh, movie when Oppenheimer say, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Some people say that it wasn't really I am become death, but much more I, be- I time, the destroyer of word. But, you know, when you translate from Sanskrit, it can be a little bit tricky. But the idea is that... That's what Oppenheimer said after he had created the atom bomb. It was the first time in history that humanity had the ability to destroy Earth, not only destroy um, smart, smart parts, but not destroy Earth, I'm sorry, destroy humanity. So we had the ability to kill some people, maybe kill a lot of people, but we never had that uh, moment when we can actually destroy all of humanity or even all life except the cockroaches on the planet. So that's something that uh, they compared with Oppenheimer, between Oppenheimer, in a sense, and Krishna or uh, Vishnu. But the idea is that also um, uh, Sam Altman might fall under this category or anybody who develops uh, artificial intelligence with the danger of Scorpio squaring Aquarius of the destruction of uh, humanity. So it's kind of um, interesting how those two things are working together. And also part of the reason why I mention it is because Sam Altman sits a lot with um, Jack Kornfield. He's uh, 78 years, I think, old Buddhist that Silicon Valley is very much um, um, enthusiastic about. And he almost is the consciousness of uh, Silicon Valley. And he sits quite a lot with them. Now, it's interesting because he's a Buddhist monk and the Buddha, of course, was a Taurus again. So when Sam Altman, who is a Taurus also, who wants to get a little bit more connected to the values uh, of AI, remember Taurus is values, he goes to his uh, Buddhist monk who is, uh, a, again, worshipping Buddha and the Buddha Siddhartha was a Taurus. Uh, Oppenheimer was a Taurus. So I guess it takes a Taurus to destroy Taurus. It takes an earthling to destroy Earth. But those are the things that I was um, I wanted to share with you uh, this week. And I know it's a little bit um, out there, but sometimes it's nice on Sunday morning to think, or Sunday evening, depends when you're hearing it, to think about things out there so um, you can be more connected to the um, in here. 
So uh, have an amazing uh, week this week. I think that uh, we talked about the uh, prospects, the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, this week. So I hope I see you in person or um, where am I going? Uh, I'm going to be in Oaxaca. I don't think I have a lot of people on the list uh, from Oaxaca. So I'm going to be in Oaxaca in October, just before the Day of the Dead. Uh, like I said, we're moving into uh, the uh, the season of eclipses, so October 14, uh, uh, solar eclipse. The lunar eclipse is going to be on the 14th, on the 28th. We're going to talk about it on the 13th, but next week also I'm going to mention quite a lot uh, the eclipses because we're going to get closer to them. But we are getting into eclipse season. Uh, and the eclipses, yes, somebody mentioned it right now, is in Scorpio and Taurus. Um, this uh, eclipses are, but uh, we're going to be moving towards eclipses that are in Libra and Aries. So uh, thanks a lot for being with us and um, uh, good luck this week. I hope all goes well for you guys. Bye.